0: everyone, welcome to the first TSFP of the new year. Happy new year, welcome along. Uh, we're going to be here for the next 52 weeks talking about Spanish football. Hopefully you can come along for the ride. Hello Sydney. Hello Philip, how are you? Happy new year. Uh, I'm alright, you don't have to say happy new year to me, I've been speaking
1: to you all <laughs> day for the last week. Weird.
0: I, I should have played along, maybe, but anyway. Uh, Happy New Year, Sid. Yes, yeah. great to speak to you. How have you been? I've been at football matches. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know how you've been. Um, you have been at lots of football matches. There have been uh, games over uh, this uh, weekend. The final match. Of 2021 took place at Mestalla on New Year's Eve, uh, and it saw Espanyol record their first away win of the season. They beat Valencia by two goals to one, two late goals uh, as well to uh, to turn things round. Then things uh, kicked off the new year in in stunning fashion by Getafe beating Real Madrid one 0 at the Coliseum. Alfonso Perez on Sunday, uh, Enes Unal with a, an early goal. And that was it. That was enough for a Getafe, the lowest scoring team in La Liga, to beat leaders Real Madrid. Champions Atletico then ended their run of four consecutive defeats by beating Raya Vallecano by two goals to nil at the Wanda Metropolitano. There was a goalless draw played out between Elche and Granada, a 1-1 draw between Alaves and La Real in the first match in charge of Alaves for José Luis Mendilibar. And Celta produced a really massive win at the Estadio Benito Villamarín to beat high-flying Betis 2-0, both goals scored by the mighty Barrias Bas. And then Sunday night uh, saw Barcelona head to the island of Mallorca with, with barely any players. They had a load of Covid cases, some injuries, some suspensions, but they still managed to grind out a 1-0 win against Mallorca. Uh, we're recording the pod on Monday night. There are three games uh, which haven't been played. Uh, Villarreal against Levante, which is a local derby. Osasuna against Athletic Club, which is a Basque ish derby and definitely andalus derby between cadiz and sevilla we've already had lots of new patrons joining us for 2022 thank you great to have you on board last year our patrons got 64 bonus podcasts 40 q a podcasts 14 episodes of tsfp presents and 177 morning paper reviews plus our monthly zoom calls access to the thriving tsfp discord come and join us patreon.com forward slash tsfp it's four euros a month it's good value if you like spanish football sydney you were at a couple of games on sunday weren't you i was uh, let's t- let's talk about them both uh, starting off with getafe beating real madrid by that goal to nil real madrid's first league defeat in three months they hadn't lost since they went down against espanyol And Carlo Ancelotti very elegantly absolutely sort of destroyed his players in a sort of calm, elegant, nice fashion by saying they were still on holiday. Were they?
1: I think that's slightly overplaying it. I I understand his point. I think he's broadly right in that there was a a kind of... I don't know what to call it. I suppose you could... I don't want to call it lazy because I I don't like the phrase lazy because I, I don't think players are... Actually, lazy as such, but uh, maybe a bit, a bit lethargic, maybe a little bit sluggish. That it wasn't particularly quick, um, the performance from them on a pitch that seemed to me to be slightly dry, which often happens, I think, with a two o'clock game because it had been watered, but but maybe it slows a little bit. But the reason why I say I think it overplays it because it is because I think for about half an hour in the first half they were quite good, certainly until they went a, went a goal down. The ball was moved reasonably well. They made two or three reasonably good chances. Um, I didn't think that they were. Terrible by any means. But there was a, a sort of a little bit of electricity missing. I think that part of that, though, is, is about Hitafe. And I know that, obviously, inevitably, what, what happens is the focus all goes on Real Madrid. And I think Ancelotti's got a point in saying that. But I think it's also about the type of team they're playing against. So you look at, at Real Madrid's games where they've struggled this year, and it's tended to be against this kind of team. The team that gives them the ball, the team that plays a little bit deeper, the team that waits for them a little bit, that, that asks them to play in a way that means they haven't got space to run into. In particular, of course, in the absence of Vinicius. And I thought actually Getafe handled that really quite well.
0: Um they they did they did and they are completely rejuvenated under Kike Sanchez Flores aren't they remember Ketafe they, lost each of their opening seven games uh, of the of the season they got a draw in the eighth one and then sacked Mitchell since since then since Kike Sanchez Flores uh, has taken over they've been as we said rejuvenated
1: it's one point out of a potential twenty what did you say it was eight games twenty four yeah, um, for for uh, for Mitchell and then it's seven 17 points from a potential 33 for Kike Sanchez Flores. Kike Sanchez Flores, if there was a league table just of the results since he's been in charge, Getafe would currently be fifth. When of course Ooh. they were bottom when he was yes. uh, when he was brought in. Now, in an attempt to to kind of contextualise a little bit some of these results, I, th- I think you do probably have to talk about. Kind of key moments, uh, how unfortunate that Getafe team was. And we kept on saying, didn't we, at the start of the season, there's no way this lot are the worst team in Spain. And yet there they were bottom of the table and by, by quite a long way. Um, I think what Kike Sanchez-Forest has done, in a way, has been pragmatic. Uh, I think it has been to re reimpose some of the things that last did which was neatly summed up in the song at the weekend. I don't know if you heard it. I really quite like this from Kitafé fans who used to sing, Bordelás, Tequiro, I love you, Bordelás. And this weekend they were singing, Bordelás, Tequise. I used to love you, Bordelás, but now I love Kike Sánchez Kike 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 Flores. Yes. Um, and I think there's an element of that. I think there's an element of kind of going back to what they did. I think if you look at some of the results, it hasn't always been pretty. And I'm in particular, I'm drawn to the game I was at away at Granada when they actually conceded a 97th-minute equaliser. But they were fortunate that it took that long. You know, Granada mm. should have absolutely blown them out um, way before that. And the one that really struck, strikes me is, remember after the Mallorca game, when Jaume Costa was saying that at one point he complained to the linesman about the constant fouling from a Hitafe. And the linesman said, and this is according to Jaume Costa, of course, he said, the linesman said to me, they're very clever like that. And I'm like, it's not clever. You give them a yellow card and it stops. <laughs> you know, it's yes. up to you to, <laughs> to prevent this. Um, but I think, look, you know, a lot of what they've done is good. I think they have found through results and also through a kind of a, a more defensive approach, uh, through a kind of more collective approach, bit by bit they've found their feet. They've now only lost one of the last nine games. They've, they've, mm. they've not lost in six. They've only lost one in nine. And they're just not conceding goals. And, and so bit by bit they're starting to get results that now mean... They are, I think it's five points off, um, sorry, five points off the bottom, I believe, and five places off the bottom as well. I think they're, three, mm. p- they're two or three places out of the relegation zone, um, and, and it looks very good for them. Yeah, looking good for
0: Getafe. Back to Real Madrid, and, mm-hmm. and the starting eleven selected by Carlo Ancelotti, there was one glaring omission, eddin yeah. Hazard, everybody thought that he was going to start the game, and And so did he as well.
1: Yes, it it did make me laugh a little bit. And I I realised that I shouldn't laugh at this because it's an easy mistake that anyone can make. Because it's not even really a mistake. But the headline on the front of Ass on Sunday morning was New Year, New Life. Eden Hazard starts again. Um, And I always think that, look, it's one thing getting the team wrong, but I would never, ever, ever lead a newspaper with it. Because you've always got a a chance that you'll get it wrong. And Ancelotti doesn't really surprise us very often with his starting Mm. 11s. You can normally predict his team. And I think it's very interesting that, that Hazard didn't play at the point at which probably more than any other point in this season it was logical for him to start. Yes. More than any any other game except maybe the opening games of the season when we didn't yet know how good Vinicius was going to be. Uh, so Vinicius is out obviously Bale is out you've got um, Rodrigo and Asensio who who you know you can play them both but you, you wouldn't normally think he's going to so it was set up for, for Hazard to start and he didn't. And Ancelotti was asked about it and he he said something which I think on the face of it is just a managerial cliche but I just wonder mm. if it contained a message in that he said basically it was the effect of well of course I, I look at the players in training and choose the ones who, who I think look best mm. and, and I just wondered if that was slightly pointed and I don't know if it's possible that I'm reading too much between the lines there but I wonder if he just looked at it and thought well actually you know what no these two deserve to start and, and maybe Hazard deserves slightly less to start Was there perhaps a, a tactical reason for it? Um, on the face of it, I wouldn't say so. Partly, of course, that's borne out by the fact that Hazard came on, um, mm. and because I don't think that it would have surprised him to see Katafe play a deeper game, to play a game where they largely waited for. Just Real maybe 100. with the
0: wing backs, though, and
1: yeah, may, maybe so
0: important for Katafe they get forward quite a lot. So having someone who tracks back like mm. Rodrigo, hmm,
1: may, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe he thought about that. But but I, I would have. I would have imagined that you anticipate a game where you haven't got the space to run into. So two mm. wingers who run into space, Rodrigo and, and Asensio, or a winger who's very good in tight spaces. Well, you would mm. say the w- winger in tight spaces, wouldn't you? In theory, at least. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah, was yeah, yeah. born out in the second half, though, of course, you never know. Maybe the second half would have been different with a different first half and, 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 and so on. Um, so it's possible. But it, it felt more like a, a comment on, on, on his own squad than on the mm. opponent's. Mm.
0: It's not a catastrophe for Real Madrid. No, Trust not at, at all. In, not in the slightest. In, in,
1: in three months, they're still
0: eight points clear at the top of the table. However, Sevilla got two games in hand. Win those two games, and it's
1: can I can point I, league, can, so. I be, can I be a massive cynic at this point? Please watch Sevilla fail to win these two games now. OK, well, because a lot of people just, are going to be listening to this podcast on Tuesday Exactly, morning, and I'm already plane, going to look so. stupid, yeah. I don't necessarily mean fail to win, win both of them. I mean, between the two of them, fail to win one of them, to not really right. take, get very close to Real Madrid. Because I just, just I graphic. always Good. kind of... <laughs> no, I didn't mean only one of the two, okay. or I didn't necessarily mean both. It's just one of those things that you kind of feel with this severe team, as we've talked about a lot, that yes. when that step is there you're just not 100% sure they're going to make it. I really hope they do, because I hope we get a really good open title race. And I I do think Sevilla are a genuinely good side.
0: OK, that's uh, Real Madrid, current champions Atletico, uh, beating Rio by two goals to nil. You left the Coliseum Alfonso Pérez to go up to the Wanda where you... Well, you'd left your car. You got up very early Sydney on Sunday, didn't you? You drove all the way to the Wonder. You left your car at the Wonder. Then you made a massive journey back to Getafe, which is actually quite close to your house. And then you went back from Getafe to the Wonder and then back home. An extraordinary I was,
1: of I was, journalistic dedication. I was sitting on the metro doing the very, very long <laughs> route from from north northeast basically to southwest of the city, kind of trundling across the city. Thinking, I can't. And at one point, you're right. At one point, I was basically going past the metro station that's the nearest one to my house, at least of the underground metro. Sorry, the underground metro stations, because there's a, like a little light railway one that goes closer to my house. And I was going past that last one, thinking, I can't believe I've spent an hour and a half getting back to more <laughs> or less where I started. And you know what? The other thing that really struck me, because I don't do this very often, that metro shore sort of extension bit for those southern satellite towns, Fuenlabrada, Getafe, Leganés, right. and so on, most or less, is yeah. incredibly slow because of course the distance right. between the stations is much much bigger than the distance in the cities so you look at that metro map and you think oh it's only seven stops seven stops a long time transport chat it's the uh, new feature
0: <laughs> of TSF anyway uh, you made it from the Coliseum to the to the Wonder to see Atletico uh, beat Rio Atleti really 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 needed this yeah. win it always felt like I don't know Maybe I was just being a sort of pessimistic Raya fan, but I always felt like Rayo were never going to win this game. They're terrible away from home. They've had loads of COVID cases as well. Atleti desperately needed to win. It almost felt... I, I never, ever envisaged anything other than a comfortable Atletico win and, and so proved the case.
1: Yeah, to be honest with you, I agree with you. Um, I, I think Atletico would do themselves uh, a disservice if they believe that this is a sign of turning the corner. I think Rayo are a good team, but you're right. Away from home, they haven't been. Um, they had... One of the two central defenders out. Oscar Trejo only came on as a substitute. They had uh, uh, half of the Garcias missing, the two Garcias. They had. Um, they played Unai Lopez off the front. It, it, it wasn't a, a kind of a recognizable no. side. Falcao came on late on and actually got a really nice ovation, which you'd expect from the Metropolitano. Um, and, and I agree with you. I don't think this was ever likely to be anything other than not necessarily a comfortable win, but a, a win for Atleti.
0: Both goals scored by Angel Correa. We've spoken a lot about this player on the podcast over the last oof, year, two years. He's been very important. He continues to be very important for Atletico Madrid. And even more so with Luis Suarez's ongoing goal drought. It's nine games now since he last scored a league goal. By far and away his longest goal drought in Spain since arriving in in 2014. But at least they've got Correa to score.
1: Yeah, and, and Correa is... I mean, we've talked about how he can be this player that's both brilliant and awful in exactly the same move sometimes. He'll sometimes turn someone, do an amazing turn, and then kind of lose control of the ball. That said, I think in a way what I've just said is an old conversation it feels like mm. for the last 10 months or so that hasn't been the case it feels like from, from around about what would you say maybe February of last year been consistently really quite good and I think he's pretty unfortunate actually to have played rather less this season than, mm. than, than he might have expected um, obviously, look, there's, a, there's an inescapable fact, which is that he's not really a number nine. So maybe he's not competing with Suarez or Cunha for a place. Uh, mm-hmm. And then if you're looking for the second striker, well, he's competing with Jao Felix and Griezmann now, which is yeah. obviously even harder. Uh, if you're looking even for a midfielder, then that brings even more players into play that he, you could say he's more or less competing with. Possibly Carrasco, although not really. Although Carrasco did play on the right this weekend rather than the left. Um, possibly Lamar, but not really. But there's lots of people... Who, If you write down a list of who are the good Atletico players, there are lots of people (laughs) who are better than him, who are higher on that list. And yet then you think about the actual productivity and you think about the actual contribution. And you know what? He jumps a lot of places in that Mm. list. And so it's Mm. a very difficult one to properly put your finger on as to what's the best way of managing this. And I suppose in a way the answer is you've got to bite the bullet and bench some people that you might not normally want to bench?
0: <clears throat> Luis Suarez.
1: Well, to be honest, he, I mean, we, to be fair, we said this at the start of the season, didn't we? We said that we felt like the ultimate end game here is that Griezmann's the number nine. Um, <coughs> excuse me. It now feels a little bit like the ultimate end game might be Cunha as the number number nine, not Griezmann. Um, I actually thought Suarez played okay this weekend um, in, okay. Terms, in terms of his link-up play, in terms of his ability to have people play off him. And I think he likes playing with Correa. I think he likes playing with Correa more than he likes playing with, with, with others. Um, but, yeah, it does feel, doesn't it, like the natural progression of this is probably Suarez. And yet, then you look at the scoring charts. And despite this ludicrously long drought, he's still got more than anyone else. I mean, so I, 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 it's kind of hard to... to I, I feel like the, the logical end game here, yeah, is that Suarez ends up not playing.
0: Hmm. Uh, also... Possibly not playing again for Atletico Madrid is Kieran Trippier. Mm. You, you saw him applauding the fans at the end of the uh, match, out on his own on the pitch. W- was it a farewell?
1: I think it probably was. Um, I wouldn't Why? be at all surprised. Why is
0: he going <sighs> to Newcastle? <laughs> I mean, With no respect, no disrespect. In Newcastle, you know, great club. I'm sure the city's nice. Never been, but oh, the city's know. really. I, I actually really I'm like sure. Newcastle as a sure. city. It's definitely okay. a got cold, character. But I'm sure a little it's bit, nice. yeah, a bit
1: character. A, a bit, a bit, a bit cold for you, definitely. Cold, but sure. Um, look, well, I mean, on. On, on the face of it, this is baffling because you know you are looking at saying, and, and again, as you say, with the greatest respect, Newcastle in theory are beginning a project. Uh, oh, I've used that word, uh, beginning a, a you know like a new era. Um, where I think they will sign a lot of players, where they will become a stronger team, where I think they've got a very good manager now. Um, I don't know how clear their plans will be because it's very early to see that. Um, but the very fact that they've gone for Trippier, I think, suggests something about the kind of players they want because Trippier is not an immediately glamorous player or an exciting player. <laughs> and to be honest, if you're a team fighting relegation, Trippier is useful, but he's not a player that's going to drag the whole team out of the relegation zone on his own. That's just not what he does. Um, and so on, on, the, on the face of it, it's a bit bizarre because you sort of think, well, you're turning down Champions League football for a team that's fighting for survival. Now, probably will survive, but who knows? Let's see who else they sign. Really? Um, well, well, exactly. Depending on who they sign. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm making the assumption now that Trippi is not the only one, that they sign two or three players who do really make a difference, even if it's not enough of a difference to say suddenly, oh, suddenly Newcastle are good, but Newcastle are good enough to not go down. Okay. Um, and obviously the salary will be absolutely enormous. Because of course, when you're the first man in for a yeah. big project like this, you are, you know, you are being convinced by the e- economics as much as the other thing. I think there's another thing in this, which is I think a, a sense of Trippier, who wanted to go to Manchester United in the summer, has already kind of got in his mind that he's halfway out anyway. So I think it makes it easier to make this decision. I think there is a sense of him, and he actually said this in an interview I did with him, whenever it was, uh, three or four months ago. Um, he kind of used the phrase, not quite, but very nearly used the phrase, you know, I came here to do a thing and I've done it just to win the league and get myself back on track and prove it. And he was very open in that interview about going to, back to the Premier League, even though he was said he was happy here. I think that there's a slight... Well, I think then he was probably thinking he was going to Manchester United. Well, that's the thing. Yes, that's the thing. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, no, you're right. Absolutely. I think there's a slight disconnect now between him and, and Atletico Madrid at some level that I can't fully put my finger on. Although when I posed this question, to, I was speaking to people at the club on Sunday after the game. I posed this question to, to a couple of them. They were like, no, 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 there's absolutely no doubt that Simeone wants him to stay. I said, yeah, but you might get loads of money for this. No, no, absolutely, because not halfway through the season. This isn't good for anyone. He is basically the only right back. You've got Vesalico, but... But, you know, he is your first choice right back, albeit it may well be that Llorente ends up playing there. And I'll tell you what, Llorente will be desperate for him to stay because he's, he's 100% there right back if Trippier goes. And I just think it's a real pity. Uh, obviously, look, um, ultimately, Kieran has to make up the, his mind and the, take the decision that he wants. And, and Simeone said this afterwards. He said, look, I want him to stay. He's an extraordinary player. Um, but the player decides. Um and when I'd ask him well the to, player
0: decides and also we don't know you know there might be family matters exactly you know, that, partner, that's what I mean that's why, that's why parents, this is one, whatever, one of the things whatever. I say
1: there is something there that we can't quite put our finger on I think that's, that, 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 that helps to explain it. it isn't all of it but helps to explain it yeah
0: Going back to the '80s, remember John Aldridge, Real Sociedad came to Real Sociedad, lived in San Sebastian, did really well with the team. It was going fantastically, but his wife never settled in one of well, and wanted Well, and in
1: particular, his daughter wasn't happy. His daughter, uh, his daughter, daughter wasn't yeah, happy yeah, yeah. at school, and, and he didn't he didn't want to stay. And he did it come happens. out. He, he, he did he did come out and say that. And who knows? Maybe Trippi will say something. I hope as well that just. You know, however, this ends now, it ends well, if you see what I mean. That that Trippier kind of handles this in a way that says, listen, this has been fantastic, thank you so much. And that Mm. kind of, he gets the. I I think he will be recognised as having been a really, really good player for them.
0: Okay. Uh, Let's move on and talk about Barcelona's win at Mallorca. Now, Sydney, I can feel a rant building. Can you? Which one? There was (laughs) certainly a rant on WhatsApp. Oh, there was, yes, there was, you're right. Yeah,
1: yeah, sorry. I, I, I was trying to remember what rant this was. yeah, I, I just basically it's about Luke de Jong. I, I, yeah, I mean, and you feel he deserves more respect. I, yeah, I mean, look, I know that the respect is a is a. Is a- Respect is kind of a nonsense phrase, really, which players actually throw out a bit too often, in my opinion. He scored not... the
0: winning goal for Barca, by yeah, the way. Yeah, he's, but he's also and played pretty well.
1: I played pretty well. An amazing overhead kick against the bar. He had a shot against the post where he was stretching for it. Um, and, and I don't particularly like turning to the respect thing because, as I say, I think it's an easy get-out that footballers come up with, which I actually think sometimes they do. And it's, it's very facile or lack of respect. And I think mostly it's bollocks. It's not a lack of respect. But in his case, I think it has been a bit... And the reason I say this is because I feel like the limitations that Luke de Jong has, or the stylistic type of player that he is, has, I think, led to a a kind of idea that he's just not a footballer. And I think that speaks, obviously, to the kind of, if you like, the puritanical approach sometimes that that surrounds Barcelona in terms of the way that, that... Not so much the club, although sometimes there's an element of that, but the way that the media responds and some fans respond to it. I think there's been an attack on Luke de Jong as if he's somehow doing something wrong, which I think has overlooked the fact that he came incredibly cheaply. He's on loan, remember. He came, why would he ever not say he wanted to go to Barcelona? He came very specifically with Ronald Koeman saying he comes to do something different to our other players, which is true. And he can do those things. It's not his fault that Koeman's gone. He has at no point let anybody down, except per the limitations that he's got. And, you know, we talked about it earlier in the season. There was that moment in a very early game. It might even have been the very first game. It might be been Meryl had the opening day, where the ball put, is put through the gap for him. And it looks like he's going backwards. Well, we know he's not quick. You know, and I'm not saying it's great that he's not quick. Of course, it would be wonderful if he was super quick. But he... It, And I just sort of feel like the line has been crossed quite a lot with him. Uh,
0: can I read you some quotes from him that we had uh, from uh, La Liga? Yeah, TV please last do because I saw on a, I saw a glimpse of that and it's very shows. interesting. I'm really
1: glad he spoke to you as well. Yeah, go on. Uh,
0: we had him on our post-match show and and, and he said he was asked if, if he'd ever felt um, sort of mistreated by the by the club and he said, "No, I've never felt mistreated. Everyone's always been honest to me. I know my situation. I know where I come from. I'll just keep working hard in training and if the coach needs me, I'll be ready." Uh, he came across incredibly well yeah, he's uh, really in that good. interview.
1: Yeah. I mean, as I say, look, I'm partly biased in this inso- insofar as, uh, you know, I'm drawn to players who express themselves well, who don't appear to have any arrogance about them. And, and I've always felt that he speaks well like that. And and I like that. And look, you know, he, by the way, Barcelona, I should make this point, by the way, I don't want anyone to think it's a rant that way around. Barcelona are absolutely within their rights to decide, particularly with a new manager who wants a different style, that he doesn't fit and to try and yeah, find a solution to that. Um and, and, and so long as that doesn't become nasty in terms of briefing against him, which I think is starting to happen against Dembélé, by the way, um, and, and happens quite often, and all clubs do it, or nearly all clubs do it. Um, so long as it doesn't reach that point, then then fine. Uh,
0: OK, uh, Luc de Jong was the match winner against Mallorca. There have been lots of other things that are happening off the pitch for, for Barcelona. Today we had Ferran Torres's presentation and... Obviously exciting, a really talented young player uh, coming to La Liga and, and coming to Barcelona. The president was there, Joan Laporta, and uh, he was in ebullient form, <laughs> as he always tends to be. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read verbatim. Oh, please quote, do. Yeah, I want to hear this what, actually in its fullity. In its fullity, well, it, entirety even. It's, 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 a, it's a tweet from friend of the pod, Dermot Corrigan, uh, who says, Laporta was asked if Barcelona are now able to sign top players like Haaland. He replies, everybody should get ready as we're back as big players in the market. <laughs> Didn't really clarify how.
1: Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I I, I do love... I, I mean, I quite enjoy Laporta's bullishness. And I think it's not a bad thing for Barcelona at times. But it has to be tempered and it has to be, you know... Well, they're not going to sign Haaland, but they might sign Morata. Well, they're certainly not going to sign Haaland now. I mean, in a way, I I wondered if what he was trying to say was was, you know, the summer is perhaps different. And, of course, the summer is perhaps different because one way or the other, the Dembélé situation is, is resolved. By then, maybe you feel that you're optimistic enough that Coutinho goes. By then, you get your €40 million Euros for Antoine Griezmann unless there's some sort of deal there done that involves Morata. By then, maybe you do feel like you have the mechanics to, to, to make this happen and to comply with financial fair play. But I think it's interesting. I thought a couple of really, really interesting things were said this week, by the way, before this weekend's game. Mm-hmm. One of them was Chavi admitting, which I thought was extraordinary on the eve of the Mallorca game, that the registering of Ferran Torres depended on Dembélé's new contract renewal. In other mm. words, Dembélé's contract renewal involves some mechanism by which some of his money was being postponed or reduced to make room for Ferran Torres. And so essentially, you're in Dembélé's hands to register Ferran Torres. He also, Chavi admitted... Sorry, not Xavi... Um, Mateo Aleman admitted today that the demir, or yesterday rather, that the demir situation has an impact on this as well. Because if he plays another game, there's a a contractual need to to change his contract and to increase it. Uh, I I must admit, I've now forgotten the exact the exact uh, way in which that works. But basically, he admitted that was part of it as well, which is why Demir is now not playing because Mm. you can't afford for him to have another game. And so for Barcelona to be in this position where again it feels like their hands are tied does make you. At the very least, a bit least a bit dubious about what Laporta is saying. You know, we're back, baby. Doesn't really feel like a, a, a plausible message at the moment. Uh,
0: extraordinary article written in Sport, the Catalan Sport Daily, about Dembélé. I mean, oh, it's it awful. an article. It's it's it, it, it's an opinion piece on Dembélé. It's an assassin, a character assassination on yeah. Dembélé. It's really quite nasty.
1: I mean, look, some of the things that that are pointed out by Casanovas, who writes it, um, I think you can point out. And I think sure. you can point out in different language. That's the thing. it's it's the, it's yeah, the, it's the, it's the tone. It's the I tone mean... and the viciousness and the, if you like, the the gratuitousness of it that makes mm. it... Uh, it's, it's really horrible I mean, let's go back to the Jong. As far as I know, the Jong's never confronted that kind of language. Um, mm. But yeah, I just thought it was... I thought it was quite grim, to be honest. really was. Uh, I can
0: understand why Barcelona fans and members of the club might be frustrated, annoyed, angry with Dembélé, but yeah, not really any need for for that. Uh, let's see what happens with Dembele. Let's see what happens with Morata. The word on the street is that it's actually pretty close to yeah. having uh, Alvaro yeah. Morata to, uh, to, to Barcelona. So uh, watch
1: this space. <laughs> my feeling but, with Morata is, my, just one thing very briefly just to say, I, I, my concern with Morata is that it always feels to me like this is a really good player who never quite finds happiness and is always looking for it. And so my question, Mark, with this would be, how long does this last?
0: Yeah, you seem to have genuine emotional concerns about Alvaro Morata. Every yeah. time he joins a club, you're sort of trying to get into his head and sort of yeah. thinking how he's feeling. And it's, it's, I guess that's the that's the characteristic of of Alvaro Morata is that you're not necessarily convinced of his, I don't want to say mental strength, but sort of ability to to, to deal with certain situations.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, um, no. There's a very, there's a very, there's a very good. Uh, a good column on this by Inaco uh, Diaz Guerra in in El Mundo today which he talked about <clears throat> Maratta as being like a work colleague that he used to have that would turn up and be really good and then would sort of think this isn't quite what well I wanted yeah. and then we'll be looking for somewhere else and and there's yeah. there's a degree of there's a degree of that and it's not always easy to put your finger on why
0: Mm. Uh, we did talk about Monata in, in the bonus pod uh, last week. Uh, before we before we go, we have to mention uh, Barry Aspas's two goals for for Celta. This is an extraordinary result for Celta Vigo. Betis, who were third in the table, they've had a fantastic calendar year. They were more or less at, at full strength. Uh, Betis, missing a couple of players through COVID, but no, no one really uh, central to their plans. Celta had a really makeshift back four. Uh, they had Okai and Dominguez playing at centre-back with Aidu playing at right-back. Uh, if those names don't necessarily ring a bell, they're not playing uh, in their positions. Let's, let, let's put it like that. Yeah. And they managed to keep a clean sheet against Betis, and Barry managed to score two goals. One was a penalty which was pretty much a joke should never have been given but he took it very nicely and the second goal is is fantastic as well yes there is a defensive cock-up from from bettis but he, he took it so well and oh he's just everything to this celtic barry is life
1: sydney barry is him. life. Yeah. you
0: watch the way he plays absolutely it's
1: invigorating you. absolutely i'm so glad you said that He is <laughs> life he's uh, there's a lovely bit as well post game where he's, he's speaking with that fantastic deep voice that he's got um, and and, and uh, with the sing-song Galician accent, yeah, sort of sing-song Galician accent, but a deep voice. And you know, deep, this is this, yeah. is this is Barry Aspas who has, as, as Mitchu always puts it, Barry Aspas who has the tin chest, like a suit of armor, that sort of little little sort of yes. sticking out, scrappy do chest of his. Yeah. And and you know, he looks like a man who has, should have a squeaky voice, not yeah. a man no. who should. Have this, anyway, no. he's 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 live giving, but it was a lovely bit post game, and I caught it sort of. I only caught it sort of, you know, half listening. And so it's possible I've got this slightly wrong, but basically he was saying that Nolito always says to him, "Oh, let's get the books out again and look at your stats. And he goes, and at the end of every year, I've done what I always do. (laughs) Which is brilliant.
0: Uh, He's up to 10 uh, league goals for the season uh, now, Barry. Uh, One behind Juanmi in terms of who's going to be the top Spanish scorer uh, in La Liga. And yeah, big up, Barry. Just want to say that. Uh, If there's something that we didn't talk about, let us know. Send us a question. We will answer it in tomorrow's Q&A pod. Uh, before we go, the Segunda División, leaders Almería were beaten 1-0 at home by Cartagena. bar are now just three points behind them in second. They beat Real Sociedad B by three goals to two. Valladolid are third. They beat Leganes 1-0. Tenerife, Ponferradina and Girona make up the other playoff places, although Tenerife lost the Canary Islands derby 1-0 to Las Palmas on Sunday. Uh, the winning goal scored for Las Palmas by a... Tina De Feigno, a guy from Tenerife, so that Oof. wouldn't have gone down very well no. uh, as well. Pomfrey Dina were beaten 2-0 on Friday by the mighty Ray Loviedo.
1: That was Ray Loviedo in a nutshell, wasn't it? So you play a game before everyone else plays, you get in the playoff place, everyone goes, oh, that's hopeful, and then, of course, by the end of the weekend, you are where you always are, which is 8-4, ninth and a couple of points off. Absolutely, just, just prepare yourself for it. Okay? Don't yeah, get your don't hopes know. up.
0: Don't get your <laughs> hopes up. Uh, you don't have to get your hopes up for the Copa del Rey this week, because Real Madrid oh, thanks were, for that. <laughs> we're knocked out nice and early. But the round of 32 kicks off uh, on Tuesday. Some potential highlights include Linares Deportivo, uh, from the small town of Linares in the province of Jaén, in the region of Andalusia, against Barcelona. And then a familiar-looking fixture, Alcoyano against Real Madrid. Yep, that Alcoyano that knocked them out last season at this stage with a 2-1 win in extra time. Atletico uh, Mancha Real against Atletic Club and Rayo Machada on the against Atletico Madrid, uh, a game which has been moved <laughs> uh, to the one, the Metropolitano. Sydney's not happy about it. I'm not going to let you vent, Sydney. No, don't, don't let me because You're I'll be so here all angry night, yeah. we'll, <laughs> we'll leave it. If anyone's, if anyone's interested into why Sydney's so furious about this, ask us on the, on the Q&A pod. Thanks very much for listening Uh, happy new year come join us on patreon.com forward slash tsfp and if you don't don't worry we'll be here next week as ever
1: adios cheerio